I've never seen her drink it, ever, ever. And why would you drink eye drops? I mean, what would it taste like? I don't even know, but I never put any in her anything for her, ever, ever, never. I bought it for her, that's as far as I've gotten. I've never even put it in her eyes for her. Jessie Kashevsky was absolutely devastated when she picked up the phone to dial 911. She just found her best friend Lynn dead from an apparent overdose. When the emergency services arrived, they took in the surroundings of the scene and ruled the death as intentional and that Lynn had likely taken her own life. But weeks later, the toxicology results would show that she had been poisoned by ingesting eye drops and they didn't think it was Lynn's choice. This is Red Rump, stories about the true victims of crime. This show is made from various source documents listed in the show notes. I use news archives, documentary footage and court documents, and so the episodes are accurate to the source material I can find. You can find all the episodes that are on YouTube as a podcast version, if you prefer to listen on the go, available in the description box below. Lynn was a passionate and outgoing woman with a huge heart. She graduated in 1974 from La Follette High School and went on to work as a hairdresser. She actually ended up owning her own hair salon and the salon life suited her to a T. She loved being social and hanging out with friends and she was extremely kind-hearted. Her love for others didn't stop at people though. She also loved animals, often heading to local shelters to help out and volunteer there. It was well known she liked the company. When she returned home where she was living in Wisconsin, she was living alone. And so the company she got from people at the salon or animals at the shelter was well welcomed. Lynn had been unwell over the last couple of years. She suffered multiple health conditions and it made day-to-day living pretty hard. And so it wasn't long before she had to call in help from family and friends so that she could continue living at home. And then on the 3rd of October 2018, Jessie, Lynn's best friend, made that call to 911 saying that she had found Lynn lying pale and unconscious. Jessie reported that Lynn was lying on her back in her recliner chair and there were various pills and medication all around her, including a number of pills crushed up and literally laying on her chest. Detective Timothy Loberg was one of the first investigators at the scene And as far as he could tell, this did all seem to be a suicide. Jessie told officers that she was used to checking in on Lynn and it was a regular thing. She'd go over every two days or so to look after her. Lynn needed this continuous care and had been being looked after by Jessie for the last six months. At first, Jessie was adamant that Lynn wouldn't have taken her own life, but it wasn't long before she changed her mind. She ended up telling officers that Lynn's health complications were getting progressively worse and during one hospital visit, Lynn was told that her care plan needed to change and she would be needing round-the-clock care. Jessie told officers that she knew Lynn would often take both prescription and illegal drugs as well as drinking to excess. She also spoke about a number of different times when Lynn had spoken about not wanting to, quote, do this anymore. And although Jessie said that she tried to convince Lynn to get help, apparently Lynn refused. And in fact, Jessie said one day Lynn had taken a gun out and was gonna attempt to take her own life before Jessie managed to get the gun off of her and then apparently dispose of it. She also bought a gun offline that I disposed of for before she died too. When? 
Officers asked what the official arrangement was with regards to the caring that Jessie was doing for Lynn. But Jessie said that she didn't get paid any official amount and there was no written contract or agreement. But Lynn was very generous with her money and she was happy to write Jessie checks or even let her take her credit card and use it for payments of personal things such as car payments. However, witness statements from Lynn's ex-boyfriend and a number of her friends said that Lynn was frugal and never gave money freely or gave expensive gifts. Jessie had said that Lynn didn't have any other family or friends and that Lynn had told her she was thinking about taking her own life because of her ill health and her increasing level of need for care. Alongside this, Jessie's boyfriend Scott was questioned and he said that he knew about the relationship between Jessie and Lynn, the fact they were best friends and the fact that she was taking care of Lynn. But he went on to say that apparently Lynn had been in a coma for five months and although she did wake up, Jessie swore that she was still really unwell and had continued to visit her. We know later on that this was proven to be untrue. Lynn never spent that amount of time in hospital and she wasn't in a coma for five months. After Lynn had passed away, the next few months passed by and as far as Jessie was concerned, the tragic choice her friend made back in October was just that. But behind the scenes, people who knew Lynn were beginning to talk. And then in December of 2018, a friend of Lynn's actually went to the police and told them that he did not think Lynn would have taken her own life and the circumstances surrounding her death were suspicious. And it wasn't just this person, there were other friends of Lynn's that thought that the circumstances were suspicious and they thought Jessie had only began to become friends with Lynn so that she could take money off of her. And that same friend said that this became even more evident after Lynn died because Jessie, with the help of her mum, had started selling Lynn's things and even driving around in her car. But if we're being fair to Jessie, she had been one of the only two people named in the will as a beneficiary. The other person named was Anthony Pozza. Now, Anthony was someone who viewed Lynn as an auntie. And when he learnt that Lynn had also named Jessie as a beneficiary on the will, it seemed like an incredibly quick, spur of the moment decision to him. Even so, he called Jessie and said, obviously this is what Lynn wanted and you can be representative of her estate. But other members of Lynn's family were suspicious. Remember that Jessie told police that Lynn didn't really have any other friends or family, but that simply wasn't true. In January of 2019, Lynn's autopsy came back and that included the toxicology results. And they showed that Lynn's blood had fatal amounts of tetrahydrosoline. And this is a chemical that's found in liquid eye drops. And these liquid eye drops would only ever be used for an eye condition. Now, Lynn was known to have dry eyes and her family and friends knew that she used eye drops and she would even buy them in bulk. But the toxicology results showed that these eye drops had been ingested and it had been fatal amounts. And although the results also found that Lynn did have some other drugs in her system, they were prescription pills or pain medication, they were all a normal amount and none of them were at a dangerous level. 
she had definitely died from being poisoned by eye drops. Apparently, it's not good for you to use lots of eye drops. And that's what the medical examiner is concerned about. <laughs> Did they look in her house because she has boxes of them? That's or right. had, yeah. So she was well known for eye drops. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm like, what is that? Because that, that just sounds really weird to me when you said well, that. Well, it sounded weird to us, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so were you going to buy eye drops for her? You're yeah. buying at the end? Were you I buying mean, same stuff that I bought for her all the time. Yeah. How many how many boxes of eye drops you thought you'd buy in a week, maybe? In a week? I don't I don't know a week, but usually every time I went to the store she'd ask for them, so I'd get anywhere maybe like six at a time. Okay. Yeah. And you're probably buying so six three times a week? No, I don't think that I, I don't know. I don't know how many times she went to the no, store for once a week. I couldn't tell you how often, but usually anytime I went to get her water or something, she'd be like, Go get eye drops or get you know I always had the same list usually of what she wanted. When you say water, it's more like bottled water. Yeah. That's just what she preferred. Yes. Did you ever see her um like like squirt the stuff in her mouth? No. Eye drops? No. 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 Jesse, in the meantime, had been calling the medical examiner's office on a number of different occasions, asking to know what the results from the toxicology were. Of course, she was never actually given this information, but she asked for it, and the investigating team found it suspicious how interested Jesse was in this particular element of Lynn's autopsy results. Given the persistent questioning from Jessie and the fact that she'd been the one to find her and one of the beneficiaries of her will, officers began to become suspicious of Jessie and so they took a look into her background and they soon discovered that Jessie had been a suspect in a fraud case where she'd allegedly admitted that she was trying to fraudulently open an account under the name of her upstairs neighbour. And on top of this, Jessie's criminal record showed that she'd stolen over $4,000 when she'd taken money out in other people's names. And because of that, she'd actually spent some time in prison. It also came to light that Jessie had a damaging gambling addiction. Back in 2010, she actually lost over $45,000 at casino and then went on to steal $6,000 from her own mum. And so officers were suspicious and they brought Jessie in for questioning. And it was at this point that they told Jessie that Lynn had died from this poisoning, explained that it had been tetrahydrosoline and it had come from eye drops. And the officers didn't actually have to say much more because Jessie started offering them information. And in fact, she said that she wasn't surprised that these had been the findings because Lynn often bought eye drops and she would buy them in bulk and she was continuously using them in her eyes. And so the fact that she'd gone overboard and overdosed wasn't the most shocking thing to Jessie. The officers, however, said that the issue was that when Lynn was found, there were no eye drop bottles around her. And on top of that, it's not something that could happen from just putting too many eye drops in your eyes. This had to be intentional. She had to have somehow ingested them orally but Jessie said that Lynn just wouldn't have done that and she stuck by that for about five minutes and that's when her story really started to change. She'd gone from saying that she did not think Lynn would ever take her own life to saying that actually she probably would 
have taken her own life and she was quite headstrong so she would have wanted to go in that way and have her own say over it but the officer went on to say that they had obviously found these drugs these prescription pills and pain medications around her body but because of the amount found in in her toxicology results it meant that he believed this scene had been set up jesse had an answer for this though she stated that lynn probably staged her own suicide scene Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. She said that Lynn had told her that she'd attempted to take her own life by taking pills, but it hadn't worked. And so she had decided to move on to the eye drops. And Lynn had apparently taken drinks that she'd put some of these eye drops into, but over a period of a few days, all that happened was that Lynn just got really unwell. She would throw up a lot, and generally she just wasn't responding to this in the way that she'd hoped. And so Jessie said that Lynn had wanted to take her own life, not just get sick. And so she just continued experimenting with the amount of eye drops she should ingest to see which amount would work. And then on October the 3rd, 2018, Lynn asked Jessie to bring her a water bottle. But Jessie knew, she said, that this water bottle that Lynn was asking for, she had previously put six bottles of eye drops into. And so the pair apparently argued for a while and Jessie said she wasn't going to give it to her, but eventually she gave in and brought her the water bottle. Jessie told detectives that she only ever ended up bringing Lynn that water bottle because she didn't think it would kill her. She'd seen Lynn do this over the last few days and the worst that had happened was that she got a bit sick. So she assumed that that would be the worst that would happen again. She also added, however that this was Lynn's choice after all, not Jessie's, and she just wanted to do what she could to help her friend out. Now, at this point in the interview, Jessie said she knows that she's gonna be going to prison, but she still swears that it wasn't her choice, it was Lynn's. The investigating officers didn't believe Jessie for a second, and so she was arrested and charged with first degree intentional homicide, as well as two counts of felony theft. The felony theft carries a maximum of five years in prison for each count, and the homicide charge would be mandatory life in prison. Now, unsurprisingly, Jesse pleaded not guilty, and so the case went to trial. And at the trial, the state questioned the medical examiner, and they asked that, it was there any point at which there were concerns by anyone that Lynn knew that she had suicide ideation, to which the medical examiner said no. And that medical examiner answered the same when asked if there was any evidence that suggested that Lynn had severe depression or any kind of terminal illness. And this led the state to present their case that there was no evidence that Lynn was trying to or intending to take her own life. Evidence was presented at the trial that showed that whilst Jessie was caring for Lynn, there were a number of credit cards taken out in Lynn's name and 
Whilst Jessie was around, Lynn had gone from $0 of debt to $72,000 of debt. And all in all, including the money and the items taken after Lynn had died, it was found through accounting forensics that Jessie had stolen over $290,000 from Lynn since she met her. The defence said that, quote, Lynn gave Jessie money all the time because she wanted to. Giving money to Jessie made her happy. Jessie was like her daughter. But some of Jessie's friends had noticed that all of a sudden, Jessie had a lot more money and started gifting her friends expensive things. This was totally out of character and not something that Jessie had ever done before. So the assumption was that she must have been getting a lot of money off of Lynn during this period. And it came out at trial that there was nowhere else this money could have come from because Jessie didn't even have a job, but she didn't let her family and friends know that. Every morning, Jessie would wake up and whilst her boyfriend was getting ready for work, she'd also put on her dental scrubs and then she'd head off to her job as a dental assistant. And she'd arrived home hours after that, after her shift had finished, and she'd settle in for the evening with her boyfriend. Now her boyfriend's cousin Daniel, who was living with them at this time, was beginning to become a bit suspicious of Jessie. He noticed that there were some discrepancies and inconsistencies in her work life and he began to suspect that even though she was getting ready for work every day and leaving the house, he thought she probably didn't have a job and wherever she was going, it wasn't to work. And so one day Daniel confronted her and asked if she actually did have a job or not. And for some reason, Jessie confided in Daniel, telling him that she'd been out of work for four to six months and she begged him not to tell Craig. Now, Daniel was confused because if Jessie hadn't been going out to work, how was she able to afford day-to-day -day living? And how was she able to afford all of these extravagant things she was continuing to do, like buying expensive gifts for friends or even heading to the casino and gambling all night. And there was even more evidence against Jessie on the one front. Accounting forensics found a significant drop in Lynn's credit score months before her death, due in part to maxed out credit cards. And there was also evidence of fraudulent loan and multiple checks being made out to Jessie for large amounts that ended up completely draining Lynn's bank account. One of the detectives that was called to the stand at trial, even determined that the documents Jessie had given to the authorities to show where all of this money had gone were fake. She's even trying to pull the wool over the detective's eyes at this point. It was even shown that on the day that Lynn had died, Jessie hadn't spent the day worrying or mourning the loss of her supposed best friend. And instead, quote, she didn't spend the day worried about Lynn. She was opening up a JC Penny account in Lynn's name, and she was using other accounts of Lynn to go shopping, do some online shopping, while she knew she had just given Lynn poison. The trial was not looking good for Jessie, especially when investigators presented evidence that they'd found a deleted search history on Jessie's phone, where she'd actually sat down and typed, looking for household poisons. It might not surprise you that Jessie was found guilty on both counts of theft and on the first degree intentional homicide count. It's likely that she'll go to prison for the rest of her life. 
but we won't actually know until official sentencing takes place on the 7th of December 2023. I wanted to bring you this case now. It is rare that I cover cases that are happening right now because I get so many requests for the slightly older ones, but I just wanted to get this out as soon as possible. So if you're watching this video after the 7th of December, uh, check the show notes and I will write down what the length of time is that she got. Thank you for watching this episode of Red Rum. I release episodes once a week, sometimes twice, um, and you can always find the early releases up on YouTube members or on Patreon first, but they'll always come here after a week or so, so there's no pressure at all to sign up to that. If you have time, please do share this video with your true crime loving friends or one that you've particularly enjoyed. And as always, thanks so much for being here. And I will see you next week for another episode of Red Rum. Bye.